corporate social responsibility in general, as you know, has become more of a hot topic. I actually did a podcast with a um, provider that did training for uh, SHRM and HRCI people, uh, folks, for their certifications because it's now on uh, your exams. And so like corporate social responsibility, diversity, equity, inclusion, volunteerism, it is you have to be programmatic and intentional about it. But if you are and you align it to your business, you can see results sooner than later. And I think that is an opportunity for a lot of organizations. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Uh, when I started my career, uh, not, not just as an engineer, which is what I did before being in HR, I was like in a parallel track between engineering and and some sort of social work. I was in a nonprofit. Uh, The name was the the School of Social Entrepreneurs, where we were working with the community, uh, community leaders to try to empower them with knowledge and ideas and information about leadership, project management, and all of these things back in my birth country, Venezuela. So I have always been very, very passionate about everything that has to do with corporate social responsibility, with community, with philanthropy, with volu- uh, volunteering work. And whenever I find anybody who's doing this uh, from, a, from a corporate perspective, I, I, I'm always, I always have a great time and I always feel energized by, by what these leaders are doing. So I am really excited to have a conversation with somebody who has been in this space for a while and leading a corporate social responsibility, diversity, equity, and inclusion, ESG, philanthropy, volunteerism, and all of these great social ideas from the corporate perspective. So Wendy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Gosh, energy, energy, energy. I absolutely love that. It's rare I meet people that have as much energy as I do. So excited. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And and the area that you work requires so much energy. You know, like it's it's the patience, it's the energy, is the is the love for for the craft that you're working on because it's you know, seeing the effects of the work you do can take years, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, well, um, corporate social responsibility in general, as you know, has become more of a hot topic. I actually did a podcast with a um, provider that did training for uh, SHRM and HRCI people, uh, folks, for their certifications because it's now on uh, your exams. And so like corporate social responsibility, diversity, equity, inclusion, volunteerism, it is you have to be programmatic and intentional about it. But if you are and you align it to your business, you can see results sooner than later. And I think that is an opportunity for a lot of organizations. Some organizations might already have these programs, but when it is just the philanthropy piece where they're giving donations or they're having a random one-off volunteerism event and not aligned to what they do as a business, um, that's when it's, you know, corporate social responsibility is when it is more of that programmatic uh, programmatic uh, area. So we've done that. When I uh, when I came on board, I've been at BMC Software since December. And when I came on board, they were doing so many incredible things, but sometimes not aligned to our business. And I immediately recognized, you know, technology, the autonomous digital enterprise, which is our slogan, 
Let's make it the autonomous digital enterprise that includes everyone. And let's do volunteerism and partner with organizations that are enhancing and elevating digital literacy, digital accessibility, and digital interventions. Whether it's putting sea bins in the ocean to filter water and pick up trash to um, getting cell phones in the hands of children across the world, because that is transformational, not only in actual literacy, but in digital literacy, investing in the future of the workforce. I think that, you know, we see large tech companies spend hundreds of millions of dollars on programs to upskill and mentor underrepresented communities and leadership. But if you don't hire those people, That's not really helping anyone, right? And if you are focused a lot, if you focus more internally, right, first, like start building your pipelines, actually hiring people in underrepresented groups and leadership and technology, and then focus on that course correction, but also uh, concurrently, like focus on the future workforce, like the majority of the workforce are going to be underrepresented communities by 2050, right? Um, so in our ERGs, we actually do Kiva micro lending um, aligned to what the wow. affinity of that ERG is. So you're starting to blend your diversity, equity, and inclusion programming with your philanthropic work. Yeah. And yeah, the people that we might be micro lending to are not going to be people that probably work for us, but their children might be. Yeah. And when we can create generational wealth and economic empowerment, and we can create digital literacy, we can change the world. Um, and so I think any organization that starts to look at it through that lens as an investment in your future workforce, uh, you will be wildly successful at it. And you yeah. don't necessarily have to spend hundreds of millions of dollars if you're conscientious in which ways you spend it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and I'm going to use that as a, you know, I'm going to pig, piggyback on those ideas to ask you a couple of things. The first thing is that we have become a society of immediate results and when when we don't see the immediate results and when i say immediate i mean like tomorrow Mm -hmm. uh, we get impatience and then we you know we give up and then we do something else in this work of corporate social responsibility uh that that doesn't happen that way you know you 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 just said something you know in 2050 we're not going to be hiring the people that we're helping right now we're going to be hiring their children but you gotta have a very long-term you know vision and a lot of patience to be able to say, I'm going to invest in something that I'm not going to see the results for the next 30 years. And I don't even know if I'm going to be alive by the time <laughs> the results start coming in. Right. Uh, so, so the question to you is, how do you, how do you manage the pressure from stakeholders uh, or shareholders, uh, you know, uh, pushing the company for immediate results vis-a-vis the investment in something that is long-term? How do you manage that, uh, those competing priorities? That's a great question. So the ROI of diversity, equity, inclusion, and corporate social responsibility has not resonated more than it ever has than in 2020 and 2021, right? So in 2019 or 2018, I think it was the CEO of Black Knight sent an email, a large private equity firm sent an email to all of the very high profile Fortune 500 CEOs and bottom line on top said, you have to start to have an ESG. He kind of knew 2020 was going to happen. He might've had a crystal ball. I'm not sure. Um, And said, this is going to be the business imperative of our time because millennials, I am a millennial. I'm the oldest one, but Gen Z, these groups of people who will have the market share of financial capability only want to do business with organizations that can demonstrate this type of work 
current state, past, and future state and have a strategy around that. And organizations now, if you want to go IPO or if you want to take on a large significant investment uh, financially to build out your products, uh, you are your, your rate is your interest rate or your IPO price is in some part dictated by your ESG risk rating. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like your credit karma score now. It will literally impact the money in your wallet, uh, whoever you are in an organization. So when it starts to financially impact you, people start to pay attention, right? Um, and so the business case of investing in these communities in a future state is kind of going back to what I was talking about when we were talking about internally investing. Yes, you're investing in future communities, but you're also investing in your people because you're giving them opportunities through virtual volunteerism, whether um, they're giving back to communities, they're being language translators with Tarjimli, an app where you can help refugees um, and immigrants by creating language access. And when you give your employees that opportunity, what does it do? It elevates employee engagement. It reduces turnover. And that's what anybody in HR, the HR tech space is doing. Our literal jobs are to reduce employee turnover, elevate, elevate employee engagement, and turn human resources or people and spaces into a profit center, which you can do if that is what you're focused on. Yeah. Um, the largest investment of any organization on average is their human capital, and that's 70%. So when we don't look at HR, our people and spaces, or corporate social responsibility, intertwine all those together. But when we don't look at them as an investment, we are selling ourselves short and you probably will have a harder time as an organization, attracting talent, developing talent, keeping talent, staying in business, being innovative. We're seeing that now organizations are struggling when they have the, when they don't have the ability to communicate these ideas in a conscious yeah. and programmatic way. So that is what I would say to your question around, like, how do you have a business case to this? The future of work is helping your current work and being engaged in the things that you're doing as an organization. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's um, my, my second question, which you also responded in the first one was, uh, you know, talking about the ROI. Um, because, you know, a, a lot of these things require more than, than just love. And let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, you know, love, having the love for the community or to serve the community, it's a powerful driver to keep you going, but it's not enough to convince a business to do what you know is the right thing to do. You got to translate that into, you know what, uh, in the next five, 10 years, we may need these skills that we don't have today and we got to invest in them. We're not going to see the results tomorrow, but we know that we're going to be way ahead of the curve compared to everybody else who is thinking just about today and not about, you know, the longer term uh, uh, vision. So you got to be able to translate that love, that yeah. passion into becoming, you know, financially. You can do that through, yeah, I yeah. mean, if you, once you start to launch these programs, to your point, uh, more current ways you can start to balance that out are, uh, what is my net promoter score as an organization versus retention? And if you're lowering retention, we all know that most organizations are calculating the dollars they're losing from attrition. Yeah. So there's a strong correlation to your human capital numbers right there. Also, when you are programmatic about it and you're working closely with marketing, when you're working closely with product, 
you can weave all these things in together. I speak on a lot of different panels. I get involved in marketing and product initiatives because this work is demand generation. Yeah. Always be closing. And to your point <laughs> earlier, when you are, when you were talking about like the love, as you know, Enrique, I was more of a people leader, like a people-centric focus leader prior to coming to BMC. I were, I did a lot of board work um, in philanthropy, but wasn't a, a, wasn't my core job mostly. It was typically human resources. But after 2020, I had multiple offers, but this opportunity, the ability to have a global reach in 38 countries with a technology company, I was like, the world needs more corporate social responsibility and diversity, equity, and inclusion leaders that have business acumen because a lot of people have passion, but they can't translate their ideas yeah. and mobilize because they can't present the business case. And I get people that say to me, well, it should be the right. It absolutely is. It is the right thing to do. An organization should do it. And we all know that from a Deloitte studies and Accenture yeah. studies that have been world economic forum for like the last 20 years, but it didn't happen. Yeah. It took a pandemic, civil, you know, like social injustice, the murder of George Floyd, uh, you know, all of the things that are happening all over the world and then a generational change happening in the workforce at the same time. It was a cataclysm of all these yeah. things happening at once. And we as people leaders and corporate social responsibility leaders and diversity, equity, inclusion leaders need to build up our own skills and business yeah. acumen because yeah. This is what matters, and this is how we can change the world. But we have to speak the language sometimes. Uh, absolutely, and and uh, that's what I when when I speak with HR leaders who ask, you know, how do we do or what do we do when our leaders do not believe in this? I mean, I always say, uh, you know, you're gonna find a couple of you know kinds of leaders. You know, the ones that believe in this, regardless of what the money behind it. Uh, is and they will invest in these kinds of uh, you know DEI corporate social responsibility and the ones who it's not that they don't believe in this is that they want to see a strong business case so we have to increase our acumen on how to build that business case so Wendy as we are getting closer to wrapping up our conversation I want to ask you one last question uh, you know one thing that I am always very concerned when bad things happen and we decide to change because bad things are happening is how we keep the momentum so that when the bad things that are happening are not happening anymore, you know, we still sort of are riding that wave, right? And the pandemic eventually, you know, hopefully it will go away. And I don't want to go back to anything that we had before. I want a new world. So the question, the last question to you is, how do we keep the momentum of the positive things that have happened out of the negative things like more inclusion, you know, hiring more people on diversity, equity, and inclusion, more conversations about purpose at work and employee experience. How do we keep that momentum going? On a personal level and a professional level, you can bring people up with you. If like, again, if 2020 has taught us anything, we need each other and we need to empower each other, mm. find someone to mentor and then find someone to reverse mentor you find people across different business units. Don't become siloed, yeah. volunteer, get engaged, only work at organizations. You have not only the human capital power, but you have the financial power. Spend your money with organizations that are only doing this type of work and that are concerned about sustainability, that are concerned about human rights. 
you can also uh, make sure that when you are talking to your employers about what you want, that you are being mindful of what you think other people need in terms of benefits when you're negotiating. Um, and then I would say another thing that you can do on a personal level is make sure you're being active in your communities. You know, yeah. do it. It's your purchasing power. It's your influence. It's your clout. It's being an ally. Um, as from a business perspective, not a day goes by that I do not answer an ESG questionnaire from a current client, a partner, a prospect in our sales process where they want to know as a business what we're doing. Now, I will say at this point, I think uh, in the maturity model for a lot of organizations, it's just, you know, in the prospect uh, process, just asking the questions. But the day is coming very, very soon, yeah. probably the next 18 to 24 months, where if you couldn't answer these ESG questions around your diversity numbers, being transparent, you will not get that business, yeah. period, because one of your competitors will be able to speak to that. And so a lot of business leaders have woken up, but I will, you know, to your point, some are still, kind of, I'm like, how many surveys do you need? This is literally every other LinkedIn <laughs> post that I see. But it's coming. It's already here, yeah. but it's evolving. The maturity model of it is evolving. So, you know, use your purchasing power, build your business acumen, be a good human and yeah. help people, bring people up, support each other. Absolutely. Love that. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for spending this time with me. And I mm -hmm. hope we inspired a lot of people, especially in HR, to, uh, you know, continue on the path of doing the right thing and creating the business case to do the right thing. So Wendy, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Enrique, thank you so much. I so much enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.